Welcome to the Real Time Podcast. Welcome to our first episode of the Real Time Podcast. I'm your host, John Burgess, and I'm joined today with my fellow co-host, John Leba and Jake Burgess. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Can't wait to dive into this first episode of the Real Time Podcast. Super excited. It's uh, definitely going to be a good time. Definitely. So today we're going to jump right in. Um, our topic for today, we're going to be talking about disaster prep. This is a big topic. It covers a lot. Many people... Our experts have long web pages, videos, all kinds of things you can do to prepare for any type of disaster. And so today, we're going to take a look at, is this something that every American or every person should do? What are your thoughts on disaster prep? Is there anything that we should prepare for? And if so, how should we prepare? So to start off, uh, Leba. Why don't you just tell us, what, what are your thoughts on disaster prep, and should every person do it? What Just give us your thoughts on it. Well, I th my thoughts on it are I didn't really think about it until I got married, and then obviously it changes your perspective. When you're young, single, you think, oh, well, I could handle anything myself. Don't really got to prepare for anything. But when I did get married, it kind of changed my perspective, and even more so um, when I have kids. I think it's going to be something that I'll definitely think about and start preparing for. Um, I know I, I looked in a couple different options. I know we'll probably go into that further um, down <clears throat> later in this podcast. But, uh, yeah, I think you should at least be prepared for it. Have some couple bags, you know, maybe some extra food just in case. Definitely maybe a supply of water um, on hand or at least, at least a plan. And I know that's one of the big things that I've read even on um, – Department of Homeland Security or whichever government uh, entity deals with that, but they talk about at least having a plan and a way of uh, communication if, say, something happened that was a disaster and you and your family were separated. But, yeah, I definitely feel that we sh you should have at least a plan, um, and if not, supplies. For, for sure. I, I agree 100%. <clears throat> what – let me ask you this, Leba. What disaster do you think or what – what type of scenarios do you think that people should prepare for? I mean, I know there's there's getting into the realm of excessive prepare, pre however you say it, preparation, you know, people stockpiling, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, what, that's Jacob with his uh, chef boardies under his bed. That's right. Yeah. Got 100 cans of raviolis under my bed, just stockpiling away. Should have had couple beefaronis, A couple boxes of Twinkies as well. Should have beefaronis. Yeah. Those are the better. You know. Yeah, so, I mean, there, but there are people out there, you know, that do that. They get canned food. They get all kinds of things. So, I guess my question is, what disaster or what situation scenario do you think that we might see that we should be prepared for? Well, in this day and time, obviously, COVID, a pandemic, is, is at the forefront of people's minds. Um, with that, there's always a possibility of going to war. Um, and with nuclear capable countries that we deal with, 
Um, that's always a possibility, especially in the area where we live with it being Colorado Springs. We have, what, four or five military bases, right? Yeah. So, and especially you got NORAD. So, I mean, that's always a possibility. Uh, and then, of course, natural disasters. Obviously, we're landlocked. So, um, biggest one I, I see happening would be an earthquake. You know, an earthquake maybe is a possibility. Obviously, we don't have them very um, often here in Colorado Springs. But I'd have to say <clears throat> war, um, disease, or earthquake. I think that's at yeah. least for our location here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what we would be looking at for sure. Um, but like for other people that might listen to this, you know, that live in different areas. Okay, I mean, there's hurricanes, there's um, tornadoes, there's many different scenarios you could face. And obviously you can't prepare for every scenario. I mean, there are people out there who do, but I guess what I'm getting at is, is there like a general way to prepare for almost any scenario? Just have like a go-to plan, a go-to kit. Like, what are your thoughts? Well, when I like to uh, prepare for disaster, I don't like to bog down on exactly one scenario. Kind of just like to, and I'm not like a huge prepper, but I'm probably a little bit more than most, the average. Uh, When I prepare, I like to not think of the specific, but just think of a disaster being something that's going to affect my everyday life into which I would have to, you know, change something. So I kind of just like to have a a plan of action, uh, obviously have like your essentials taken care of. And, um, in that way, just have like a go bag uh, of supplies or whatever that if I were to have to deal with a, a disaster, I would, try to get it as broad and as general as possible so I can almost be prepared for every scenario, which obviously you can't be prepared for every scenario, but to look at it in that way, to kind of cover all the angles and have a good plan of action, have essentials covered and all that. So that's how I would, I would say I would prepare for most disasters. Right. Yeah. I think a go bag is something you hear a lot, especially when, discussing or researching disaster prep everyone mentions a go bag and basically for those listening who don't know what that means a go bag is basically just a type of backpack duffel bag usually pretty sturdy that you have a kit of survival um, tools you have water filtering supplies shelter fire each person can tailor obviously the kit to how they want it, but usually tip uh, a bug out bag, a uh, a kit, whatever you want to call it. It contains survival gear for um, just when you need to go grab it out of the closet or wherever you store it, and you can just go throw it in the car and it's ready to go. So um, a go bag is definitely a big thing when talking about disaster prep. So Leba, let me ask you, what what do you think about a go bag, a bug out bag? Um, a kit, whatever you want to call it, what are your thoughts and do you recommend like somebody having one? What should be in it? Um, what are your thoughts? So I've looked into this a little bit. Um, I, obviously, you've mentioned people that, uh, you know, practice this as a lifestyle or, you know, are super into prepping. And uh, I know they have their own type of kits that they build and things like that. Um, I did go online and did some research also. 
um, on options for myself. And they have, you know, ones that you can buy. I know there's one by uh, 72. It's by Uncharted Supply, but it's called the 72 Pro Survival System. And it's basically uh, the supplies that you need enough for two people um, to, to support you and, and have you a shelter, uh, help you find food, all that good stuff. Uh, it seems pretty large. It's, it's a little bit on the pricier side. Costs 500 bucks for that. Um, but it, it does seem to include most anything that you need. Um, and I, for me, for my specific situation, I'd probably just buy a bag, have that on hand. And, you know, like I referred to before, um, when I have kids, maybe have a bag or two for them so that we're all prepared in that sense. I don't think I'd necessarily take the time to prepare my own, but just a couple firearms, that bag, I think it should be good to go. Yeah. I, that, that sounds like a plan. I know a lot of people talk about building your own. There's cheaper ways to do it, but I definitely think that the industry um, responding to this has definitely grown over the years with people preparing for disasters and all this. And there are a number of websites, companies that put out a put-together, ready-to-go, bug-out bag survival kit. You pay. It's a little pricey, um, but it comes to you ready to use. And so I think that's a great idea. Jacob, what are your thoughts? Would you rather just buy something ready to go, pay a little more, or would you rather put together your own kit? Um, I think either way to go is, is a good a good way to go. Uh, me personally, I probably wouldn't buy one, but uh, it's definitely they're reliable. I've looked into them as well. There's all different kinds of bug out bags. You can get one for as cheap as like fifty to seventy dollars, and up to like John was saying, about five hundred to seven hundred dollars. And uh, you know they're all probably reliable. But um, as far as me, I, I just like to kind of put together my own. So I I would make sure that I had every angle pos possibly covered. So. That's just my opinion, but either one works for whatever. Yeah, yeah. I But I think that both of you are right in the fact of that you should have some sort of bag, some sort of kit ready to go. Um, and you talked about firearms, Leba. Um, definitely a good idea to have some sort of defense. Um, you know, I that can be a mixed emotions on the topic of the Second Amendment, but I think that a firearm and used in the right way is a very good tool for defense you can use it for hunting you can use it for many different things that along with some sort of survival bug out bag is a great idea um, but going back real quick I want to ask you both again on situations we might face here um, let's talk a little bit about location okay like we've talked about being in a rural um, or, or being in a uh, urban environment where we live here um, do you think rural versus urban um, like, are there pluses and minuses to both? Would you rather be in one? Would you rather be off the grid, away from everything? Or would you be rather be in more of an urban survival situation? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think both of those have a uh, pros and cons to each of them. The fact with urban, if you, and I think it also depends on the size of your group. Obviously, if it's just you, it's much easier to move, get out of town, um, survive out in the wild uh, and with us being here in the mountains going so seeing surviving in the mountains um, that being said though <clears throat> moving a group of 40 to 50 people and then going to the mountains and finding shelter things like that for them that's a whole different story also there's what you gotta uh, look at is 
the mountains, yeah, there's hunting, there's there's animals, things like that that you could do. But once again, to get enough people, it's not very realistic to be able to go hunt for that amount of people, provide the food. Right. Um, there probably will be better um, sources of water in the mountains, but urban, I think, would have better chances for bigger groups in the fact of you could scavenge, you could have a, a building to, you know, stake out, have enough people to um, guard the building and uh, and kind of make that your headquarters and then uh, venture out from there. Uh, with the two options, though, I mean, like I said, pros and cons. If it's a four-person family, you go up in the mountains, make a little hut, whatever it may be, you could probably survive quite a quite a long time. But it's unrealistic, I think, with an urban environment or with a larger group. You'd have to stay in the urban environment. Yeah, that, that's for sure on that. And it also depends a lot on the situation that you're dealing with. Uh, it, depending on if it's, you know, whatever war, an invasion, whatever, obviously that's not extremely realistic for America, but, uh, different stuff like that, a uh, nuclear attack, all that, uh, and like this COVID thing is sweeping through, like, obviously it's not as harmful, but if there was a disease that was far more deadly and was wiping out everything, you would, uh, definitely want to be closer to the urban to get as much supplies and water and food canned food as you could but if it was along the lines of something like a invasion or something you definitely would be a big pro to be in a rural environment and away from this big city and lots of people but yeah if you have a large group of people and for us like all the church family and stuff it would not be really feasible for us to you know be able to move and relocate. Right, yeah. I, I think that you just have to examine your situation. And while, I mean, we probably know a good bit, and there's more people that know a lot more about surviving in the wilderness, um, I mean, we have to be honest that we're not really cut out for just off-the-grid living for a long time. We do know things. But I think that our best chance of survival would be a group, you know, in an urban area and, and banding together. And I think that, like you said, getting out in a rural area with that many people is really unrealistic to think about. So, yeah, I mean, it's something to think about, definitely. Um, you know, you can get kind of caught up and, and go a little crazy with, you know, what's going to happen and preparing. But I think that just a general plan, a few supplies on hand that are just kind of out of sight, but there when you need them, like a little bag or something, a few firearms, and, you know, just have your plan in place is, is pretty much – what you need to do. I don't think that you need to get caught up like some of these crazy doomsday survivalists. I think you can get really bogged down and, and you just really start to, you know, people think that you're kind of crazy and you're, it's, I don't think it takes all that, but it's something that definitely, and uh, you brought up a important point, Laba. Um, now, when you were single, it's a whole different story, but now that you're married, and I agree, I think that people preparing with families in mind, it takes it to a whole new level. And so now, like, and, and I know it was your uh, anniversary, what, a week ago? Uh, yep. Yeah, your one-year one year anniversary. So yeah. uh, happy anniversary, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, bro, happy anniversary. Appreciate it. But let me ask you your thoughts. Being a newlywed and going from single young man with really, you know, kind of just living on your own, you, that's all you have to look out for. Going into a marriage, now now you have a wife, someone to take care of, protect. What 
what shifted? You said that like at first you weren't really work, worried about it, but now it's caused you to think about some things. So do you think that um, that that's a whole new ballgame, having a family, people to protect and provide for? Is, does that bring a whole new level to the being prepared? Uh, I, I believe it does. And, and the fact of the matter is I'm the type, though, that uh, obviously you have your responsibility to your family. But on the same token, I believe that your family – should be able to take care of themselves as well if you're not around. And so um, with my wife, I think that's something that uh, it's kind of been a learning experience in the fact of uh, sometimes each of us get in that mode where you, you just count on your parents or whatever it may be and, and you don't realize, hey, I need, I need to take care of these uh, challenges myself. And so um, with that, my, my obviously my responsibilities changed and my thinking process changed in the fact of, Hey, I got to provide, I got to provide safety. I got to provide shelter. I got to do all this, um, for my wife on the same token. I know that me and her have been working together too, that, Hey, you got to have a plan too. If somehow you're separated, you know, she, it imagine if it's a disaster that happens or I'm not around, well, she is going to have to figure out some stuff on her own and be prepared. So in the same, uh, vein of, uh, going back to the having the firearms as a tool, that's one of the things I would like to start doing more of is with her is the, uh, having her practice with that tool and be able to use that tool. Um, and that just goes along with the same vein of, hey, we're going to prepare it as if we were going to be in it together. But at the same time, we got to be able to know and have the knowledge and the skills to survive even if we're split up. Yeah, those are great thoughts. I think that it is a game changer when you are talking about more people to take care of, to provide for. So once you're in that family scenario, you definitely have more things to think about and consider. I want to ask the audience, what, what are your guys' thoughts on disaster prep, um, preparation, survival gear, all this we've been talking about. We'd love to hear from the audience, um, those listening. Go to our website, therealtimepodcast.com. We have that up and running. On the homepage, we have a section where you can leave your name, your email, and leave a comment for us, and it'll come to our email. We'll check that. We'd love to hear some feedback. What do you guys think on disaster prep? Do you think it is something people blow out of proportion? Do you think that it is important, the things we're talking about, to be prepared in some way, some form, in case something does happen in the future? So go to our website, therealtimepodcast.com. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so that kind of wraps up today, um, our main topic. We're going to move in now and close with a little segment we like to call True Not True. little fun thing we do here. We have news stories or articles or just some, some sort of story. They can be true or false. We don't know, though. So the person will read their story. The other two will talk about them, see if they sound believable, guess if they're true, not true. So we try to find the craziest stories that don't sound believable, or we make up a story and try to make it sound believable. And so that's our next segment. So we're going to jump right in. I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to Leba. So what stories do you have for us today, Leba? What you got bringing to the table, bud? Well, I got some uh, pretty good ones here. Well, let's hear I it. I think you guys will enjoy them. I don't know if you'll uh, guess whether they're right or uh, true or not. But, uh, Hit us with your best story. Let's go ahead and uh, see what we got there, brothers. Okay, so 
The headline is Koala fingerprints are so close to humans that they could taint crime scenes. Koalas might not seem to have a lot in common with us, but if you were able to take a closer look at their hands, you'd see they have fingerprints that are just like humans. Hmm. No, I don't really know a lot about koala bears. See, uh, I want to say I've heard this before. My uh, vast knowledge about wildlife and exotic animals. Oh, Mr. Jake Exotic over here. That's right. Uh, So I want to say that's true. Um, I don't know. Jake is a local park ranger. I am. I am. (laughs) My mom is a the head of a local chapter called the exotic animal watchers. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think I'm pretty well schooled in this. Uh, yeah. Uh, on a different field. note with that group, my mother has actually spotted meerkats at the Pueblo reservoir. I, I kid you not. I'm not making this up. You guys were both there, weren't you? Yeah, we were. Yeah. Um, I know John's not really wanting to pipe in on here, but we were at the Pueblo reservoir. Funny story. Sorry. And there was a squirrel, uh, like just a normal ground squirrel, and uh, it was running in the rocks. And my mom's like, oh, look, there's a meerkat. And we're like, uh, mom, what? That's a no, squirrel. She said, she said that cat, she said, look at that cat. It's trying to get that those birds. Yeah, and we're like. Because we're looking at the birds. We're like, oh, that's a squirrel, mom. And she's like, uh, no, that's a meerkat. No, that your looks dad like a told her it was a squirrel. Yeah. And so anyway, long story short. We finally pull it up on Google, and meerkats are indigenous to what? Like Madagascar? Madagascar, yeah, and it. I think the southern tip of Africa. Yeah, and... And one and the Pueblo Reservoir, of course. one in the Pueblo <laughs> Reservoir, apparently. So, um, Jacob has gleaned lots of knowledge from I have, I have. Exotic. So, I'm going to say true on this story. I'm going to say true. I, I don't know anything about koalas, so I'm just going to go with false. Do just, you, do you just even know where koalas are from? Australia, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. At least we know that. Go. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say false. I, uh, I, it was true. Really? Got it. Hey, yep. your local exotic watcher. So koalas have fingerprints very similar to humans. Yep. Yeah. They said they pretty crazy crime scenes. Well, I've seen a few people that look like koalas, so I guess, I mean. Well, what's your next they one? They are very lovable and huggable animals. <laughs> so. Have you hugged a koala? Oh no! Actually, <laughs> actually, I'm pretty sure they could hurt you. They got some bad claws on them. Okay. Okay. So here's the second keeping in theme of uh, wild animals or animals. What uh, exotic? What, not exotic, but the uh, wildlife what, domesticated animals. Oh, okay. Okay. So some pigs in China are the size of the of bears. In Nanning, the capital of China's Wait, listen to me. False. In Nanning, the capital of China's uh, I can't pronounce it Providence, a man named Peng Kong has a rather okay, remarkable bro. animal living worse. on his farm. A one thousand one hundred and two pound pig. Okay. That's roughly the same size as a full-grown uh, adult male polar see, bear. See, okay, th- this is the only thing I, I want to add to that. I've seen people hunt, and they call them hogzillas because they're so huge. I don't know about the size of bears, though. I mean, these uh, hogs are bro, huge. It's not just a regular bear, either. It's the size of a polar bear. <sighs> I'm going to I'm have to say false on this because... I mean, there are some pretty crazy things, like that rabbits in Germany, I've heard they're... Massive, like almost the size of deers, but pigs the size of polar bears. 
I'm gonna have to call false on that one. What was the guy's name? I mean, the guy's <laughs> name sounded just like you Let made it see. up on the on the spot. <laughs> Peng Chong. Peng Chong. I'm gonna say false on oh, Peng Chong. Peng Kong. <laughs> C O N G, right? Peng like King Kong. Kong? Chong? Okay, P- I'm P A N G. I'm sorry. I'm C-O-N-G. going. C O N G. I'm going false just off the name. I feel like that name is just like your stereotypical name that you just made up on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to say Peng false. Kong. No, I, if I was doing that, I would have. Made up a story about a hibachi grill. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's no, it's uh, it's true, brother. It's true. It's the both size off, of a uh, polar bear. Best, best life online. You got a picture of this pig? No, they don't have oh. an actual picture oh. of it. So I, I can't really. Is you Kong know, I not have a camera. It says it's according to Bloomberg, though. I actually, I actually kind of believe that because I've seen, I've seen hunters like uh, take down some pretty, pretty big yeah, wild those, hogs and stuff. They call them like Hogzilla. So, I mean, I, well, I guess that's believable. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I wouldn't want to run across that pig. 1,100 pounds? Guess that's, he was, that's literally bacon for at least a year. <laughs> that's that's bacon, a lot of bacon, chops, yeah. A lot of some, bacon. Uh, sausage links. Jimmy Dean could probably make some pretty good uh, <laughs> meals out of that. That should be the poster. <laughs> yeah, for poster and animal for poster, Jimmy Dean. Poster animal. Okay. Poster pig. What Those, do you think his name is? The pig? Yeah. Porky? I don't know. King Kong? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> King Chops or <laughs> Kong, Kong Chops, yeah, Kong Chops, <laughs> named after his owner. There you go. Well, those are, those are pretty interesting. You got me on both of them. I thought they were both fake. So, Jake, what you got for us? All right, give us All some right. good stories. <clears throat> we got our first one coming in pretty recent due to this coronavirus. Golden tea leaf. The golden tea leaf. No, uh, coming into this uh, in the theme of the coronavirus. A, uh, a woman who is isolated in her nursing home comes to the window to find her grandchildren standing on the sidewalk with signs asking for money for, her, for their birthday. It says that the children were uh, 17-year-old Sydney Powell. She was worried she might not ever get cash presents from her grandma again and asked for some, some cash. Okay, if that's true, that's so jacked up. <laughs> hey, the way the youth is these days, though, I could definitely see it happening. Oh, 100%. So, I, for me, my vote's true, bro. It's easy money. I could see someone doing that. Yeah, that's sad. I want to say false, but I, I agree with you, Leibo, that definitely someone out there could be. <laughs> that is so messed There's up. There's some millennials out there that definitely be down. Yeah. There's uh, some crazier stories in that yeah, one. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with true. I'm terrible at this game. I feel like you're tricking us, but I'm gonna go with true. I I feel like people could go and do that. Ha! False. Oh, he completely got his made up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good one. He's okay, but I feel skills. like there's someone out there that's done. Dude, so I mean, maybe I, you want to. I bet I could probably look up a story. And say hey, kids asking for money. From you, you might be, you might be right, but that, that particular story I did make up. Okay, well, moving on. To so my, this one's gonna be his true one. Go ahead. I could have got two falses. Okay, let's all hear right. It. My second one. Sarah Barber Johnson. In a small, small town, small town in North Carolina, a hurricane came through several years back, swept away the entire herd of cattle they had. They found them. 36 days later, on a remote island a few miles offshore, completely unharmed and grazing. Wait, what animal was this? Cows. It was a small farm in North Carolina. Hurricane came in, swept them away. They were found 36 days later on a remote island several miles offshore. A little offshore. over a month. 
But the remote island, how would... It, okay, a hurricane came in, tore stuff up. I highly doubt that the remote island would have enough food for them to be alive for 36 days. How many cows? It was like... It was a small farm. It was like, I think, maybe 10, a little less. Oh, 10 cows? Uh, oh, you're looking a little smug. Yeah, how, that's I am big, a smug bro. person. Did, I those, always look like How this. did those cows all stay together, too? That's what hey. I'm wondering. I don't know, man. Oh, dude, I gotta say false, bro. Yeah. You might have got us on both, but whatever, dude. I'm saying false. What can I say? Two for two. I'm the king. That is 100 percent true. What's there your reference, pictures. Dude? Yeah, I gotta what? pull up the article. Hang I, we on. need I gotta pull up the article. citations for your web All right, sources. You go on with yours. I'll pull it up. Okay. I'll pull it up. All right, you go on with yours. I'm going to go ahead and start off with a pretty good one here I found. So, this article reads, Man holds record for most money spent in one hour. 37-year-old billionaire Saeed Mujamanin went on a spree spending over $480 million in one hour. Purchases included for a house? Purchases included yacht, designer clothes, two houses, and a helicopter, to name a few. When confronted by news anchors, he remarked that he wanted to see how much he could spend for the simple fact of spending money is fun. Is that guy In like a hour? Saudi prince? Yeah, I with is a name like that, he's got to be something. Man. Like an oil tycoon. Could you, could you imagine having that kind of cash? It's like, hey, Man, I'm just going to see that how is much true, money yeah, I can that's, spend. That's crazy. That wow. he could just $480 million in one hour. $480 See, I don't, I don't think that's even realistic, though, because in a helicopter, I mean, can you really just buy a helicopter and hand over the cash and walk out? With a helicopter, he might. Well, you know I saying? will say that there is a website that you can literally go look at yachts and buy them online. Like wow. yeah, you would I go, seen that too. yeah. Like I'm talking I'm about going like there millions of dollar yachts. Have. I like oh. doing that. So I don't know. I I feel <laughs> like it's possible if you did it like just for the fun of it. Like I don't feel like you could do it just like casually. He definitely had to have been trying. Yeah, man, that's a lot of cash. <laughs> yeah, me, he, yeah. You know what? He the only thing that's away. unrealistic is all in an hour to close that many designer clothes, two houses, some cars, a helicopter, See, that, a yacht, that's all what in I'm an saying, hour. Though, it's not necessarily realistic because how's this guy signing contracts? Yeah, he's just literally going and signing papers. Unless, unless like, he set happen? everything up before that. That's well. Yeah, that's and what. And then just went back, that's to back, what to back, I to think. back. It, just you know, people to get a record. I think uh, he might have had it lined up. Spending. I don't know. Uh, simple fact: spending money is fun. Okay, bro. <laughs> the biggest flexor of the century, dude. Forget little Tay. <laughs> All right, true or not true? Um, Tay. that's a hard one. I want to say true. True. Fifty-fifty chance here. I want to just say false. I know I did too. Just I want to go true. Just to see which one it was. Okay, rock paper scissors. All right. Oh, snap. So I'll go with true. True. 
It is completely false. Oh, oh. see, you rookie, that's your fault. Okay. How is that? Okay, I was fault, you guys bro. were on the right track. Like I was making that up, and I was like, I don't think that's very believable because, like, how could you buy houses, buy yachts? That's you made that up on the spot. Yeah, I literally made that up. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I literally wrote that out. See, I should I should have thought about it more more. What got you was the name, and I sh- like acted like I was struggling I know, on that's the last that, side. Yeah, I got you Sound with the like name. All righty. We should ask, ask for more details, like yeah. where, where was the location? Yeah, yeah. Where that. was he when he? Yeah. yeah. I should have right. known that was fake. You can't be co- closing two houses. Eight, eight. And, I got you, and, and we're moving on all to right, number all right, two. All right. All righty. This article reads. The greatest officially recorded number of children born to one mother is 69 children. The wife of Fedor Vasiliev, a is peasant... Is that name again? <laughs> a peasant oh, oh, from oh. Shuya, Russia. In 27 confinement, she gave birth to 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets. I'm pretty sure I've read about this before. Where did you say in Russia? Russia. Yeah. What did you say her name was? Uh, f- sorry, someone's calling me. The greatest officially recorded number of children born to one mother. It's the wife of Fyodor Vasiliev. So we don't even have her name? Yeah, the V's, the Russians have a lot of V's in their names. <laughs> so I'd have to say true. Um... Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with true too. It's true. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. Sixty-nine that. kids to one mother. That's a lot, man. But hey, she had twins, triplets, all that. Quadruplets. She had sixteen pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets. That lady was hey, woman, man. Hey, I will on a no, on an extra note to that. I did not know this, but there is there's like a record for the most. Born in one time, she had like I think I can't read. It's like octuplets or something. Yeah, eight. yeah eight. Octomom. Octomom. Yeah. Octomom, bro, that's crazy. Yeah. But the thing about all this is, she had to have people taking care of them because you cannot take care of that many. Killers. Oh no, they're, absolutely they're, no way. Especially twins. Sixty-nine. Oh no. Well, look at the uh, Duggar family. She only has twenty, and like. Each kid has to like take care of another kid. Yeah, the older ones have like a, a set one that they're responsible of. Yeah, sixty nine yeah. kids, bro. That's yeah, a I lot. don't know if the kid that I would be in charge of would have survived. If <laughs> me and my family did that. Uh, I know that whoever I was in charge of would have definitely been wandered off by now. Yeah. I just that blew my mind. Yeah, it's pretty 69 crazy. Sixty nine kids, like. She was literally how many prob- grandkids? Is I mean, what I, I would know. love to do the math. Somebody should do the math on that. Like, she's pregnant her whole life. Yeah, she, I mean, was there ever a time that she wasn't pregnant? Sure, well, she did know. have like triplets. Well, I mean, yeah, that is that's, that is that's, true. That's, but let's true. let's count it up. How many different times she gave birth? Sixteen pairs of triplets, seven sets of no, sixteen pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets. So, what's sixteen plus seven plus four? Eleven. Eleven plus sixteen. So twenty seven. So twenty seven times. So twenty seven times of nine months. So yeah, what's twenty seven right? times nine? Do it. Do it on your phone. We need a math. Two hundred forty three. So two hundred and forty three. So then divide that by twelve. Because then that'll be the years of the months, right? Yeah. Twenty three point twenty five. 
So she was she was pregnant 23, years 24 years out of her life. She was pregnant. 24 years straight, man. So, and then obviously it was probably like, you know, when she was it, probably earliest 18, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Still, I mean, she'd be what ended up having the kids at like third, you know, ending having kids in her thirties. But that's, con- that's literally being pregnant Constantly. every year. Yeah. If she was, so, I mean, like she was probably having kids. My question was- is, does it say how many great, great grandkids, grandkids, any of that or Bro, no? Imagine no, that though. I Some of those kids. That. That were first born are probably gonna be in their twenties, thirties. Yeah, having or twenties, yeah. right? By the time, dude. Imagine when she gets older, she's gonna have the biggest family reunions ever. Oh, the man. first kids were twenty four, would be twenty four yeah. by the last pair or yeah. whoever were born. Yeah, last. Well, just look at it like this. Shh. If each kid had two kids, I mean that's one hundred and thirty eight right there. Just one hundred thirty eight kids, one hundred thirty eight grandchildren. So then, great grandchildren. Oh, dude, she definitely didn't know everyone's name in her family. No, I promise yeah, you that. That's pretty crazy. No. Dude. Well, anyway, that wraps up for tonight our segment on true not true. Um, and I think I took that one two for two. Did you? Yeah, I got. Okay. I got you. Hey, let me clarify. Once. I think John. I think someone's did you get their anyone? Own horn. Yeah. Well, I just had to remind you guys. She didn't forget. I don't think you no, got, got anyone I, with I, you. I got the second one on you. Yeah, the oh, pig. The, yeah, the pig the size of a bear. Yeah, you got me. Sure. I got you too. Calm so over there. Even. All right, so Jake's the winner, but interesting stories. Those were, those were pretty good. So we'll, we'll hopefully have some segments like that in the future. That wraps us up for tonight. Hope you enjoyed our topic. And like I said, go leave feedback on our website. Let us know what you think about our topic, Disaster Prep. Um, should we or should we not have some sort of preparation in place for situations that might occur? Hopefully you've enjoyed listening. Again, I'm your host, John Burgess. Joining me is John Leba and Jacob Burgess, my brother, if you didn't know by the last name. Um, but we, we love that you tuned in and joined with us. We hope to bring you exciting things in the future. Also, on our website, if you want in that comment bar as well. Leave a suggestion for a topic that you would like to hear in the future, maybe a guest that you would like to hear on the channel. Um, we would love to have guests on here talk about interesting topics. Leave some uh, a suggestion about maybe a game we could play if you if you come up with an idea. The last segment is going to be dedicated to more entertainment, us doing this kind of stuff, so leave a suggestion for that as well. So we can hand Jacob an L next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Try to come up with the game. That we're they coming can take for your out. title for sure. We got to get like a trophy or something, you know, maybe like a ceramic, maybe a spray gold, painted a golden Twinkie. Lid. That's right. <laughs> I'll take a golden Twinkie. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcast. We can be found on Google Play and Podbean, the real time podcast. So look us up, subscribe, leave us a comment, leave us that five-star rating if you liked it. If you didn't, just uh, keep your rating to yourself. But we thank you for tuning in, and we will see you in the future.